0: All right. Hey, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning back in after my six-month sabbatical of not doing this for a really long time. Um, It was actually my sister who inspired me to get back into doing this, and she's going to be my partner in crime and making this a better podcast. And um, we're going to do things in themes now, so... We're going to do a four-week series, and the theme that we chose this time around is an identity crisis, and each week we're going to talk about different audience populations of some ideas and crises that we might be going through as the same, and if you can't relate, you can always plug in your own story to what one of the speakers will be talking about. So... Uh, like I said, we're going to start off with my sister, and I'll have her introduce herself and what she does, and then we'll dive in.
1: Hello. <laughs> <laughs> I am Natasha, Lex's little sister, and I am kind of awkward, so this is a, this is very new to me. This is my first podcast, but I definitely thought it would be good for Lex to get back into this um, She's really good at leading conversations and asking the right questions and today talking about identity crisis, um, this is something that I have recently been through so um, that's kind of why I'm the first one on this series and yeah, ready to get into it.
0: Whoa. um so the first thing that we're going to define is what does it mean to have an identity crisis like what does that mean to you
1: i think it's something that we're all inevitably going to face whether we have faced it or not but for a lot of us it's something that we're gonna go through time and time again throughout life because what it means in in my opinion is um this fight with your ego. Um, Your ego wants to take control all of the time, 24-7. But ego is not a good thing. Um, It's something to be aware of. It's something that you're never going to be able to get rid of. Um, But it's... there's We have this blessing within us called consciousness. And it's really important to couple consciousness with awareness to combat ego and identity because we are so much more than what we label ourselves as and there's so much more layers to us um and yeah like I said I was on my knees last year um dealing with an identity crisis and it's the best thing I've ever gone through in my life and even though I did not handle it well at the time. Um, and I I really just, you know, was going through through it. I was going through a super dark time. Um, it's something that I'm super thankful for today, um, part of who I am today.
0: So when you say like you went through the thick of it, do you want to, are you open to sharing like what that was or do you want to just keep it broad?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely open to it. I'm an open book. Like what, last year when I was, well, when the identity crisis started, um, I went into a mode of anger and um, kind of what Jim um, was talking about today um, in our in this church that we went to, um, we, I think as humans we tend to, um, when we feel ourselves getting weak and to this point, um, we deflect with anger and this like tough guy mode and that's definitely what I went through at first and I, it was really hard for me to talk openly about it at the time. Like if anybody asked me, um, how's running going? Cause I'm a professional runner and I've had this Olympic dream for a decade of my life now. Um, I couldn't answer them and I would start crying or I'd just burst out into anger or I'd leave the gathering wherever I was. Um, and now I'm finally at a point of absolutely being able to talk about what I went through cause I'm proud of it. And, um, it was inevitable for me to have to go through that. So, um, yeah, I guess getting into it a little bit deeper. um, I've always been identified as a runner um, from a very young age with promising talent, um, a huge uh, breakthrough my junior year of college, winning nationals and then getting second at the Olympic trials. And then, um, basically, that being my first job out of college, and I've never had another job until last year when I, um, I got a really bad injury with my knees, and I was just at a breaking point all around. Um, I was letting my ego really drive me. Um, at the end of two thousand seventeen, I. Won a national championship. I was third in the USATF's road circuit, and I was just wanting more and more. Nothing was good enough. I was wanting more money. I was letting everyone else label me. Uh, I was letting the running world just take over who I was completely Um, this job and this purpose. But yeah, I started developing an anxiety disorder, a crippling anxiety disorder where I was having panic attacks, and then that kind of led to me losing control in all areas of my life, um, which then resulted in me, um, getting this huge knee injury, um, and I wasn't sure if I'd be able to run again, um, and this, that feeling really came about after um, seeing a doctor, um, that's really all I can say in that area, um, legally I, I'm not going to dig any deeper into that, but I went for a standard PRP procedure and walked out of there, barely. Um, and barely able to walk for the next four months without severe pain. And I really didn't know if I could ever run again. Um, Lost sponsorship. Lost my job. Lost my biggest passion that I've had my entire life. Lost my boyfriend and um, lost everything. And so at that point, there is really nothing to do but completely surrender and there was a lot of freedom in that. Um, I remember I just decided I'm gonna go to Thailand <laughs> because there's nothing left to lose and there's only something to gain now. Like I you know, I'm on my hands and knees and I'm gonna go see what else there is to life and really there's so much personal growth moving from that point forward but sometimes you have to lose everything Um, and now today um, after exploring more to myself getting a corporate job challenging myself in different ways and growing so much in that way um, running was calling me back and my health came back and I don't think my health would have ever came back. if My mind didn't get to that place and, um, I really had to get my mind right and just kind of let go. And, um, thankfully I'm able to run today. I'm sponsored again. I got to leave my corporate job, but going into this Olympic year, 2020, um, I think I'm going to be better for having gone through that, having lost running, because now my fire is just so much stronger. Um, And I know that, I want to ask you, like, as my sister, you kind of witnessed all of that. Um, How would you say going through something like that can help? me today in the same passion I'm kind of at this place again where I can get caught up in this identity and ego but what's your thoughts on that
0: well I think well two things is one thing that came to my mind before I answer your question is like it's really cool and interesting that running came back full circle because it has been your thing for a whole decade now but for other listeners and including myself too, sometimes that thing that you chase so hard doesn't come back around. And so I guess like we can address that later, like what happens if like it doesn't come back around, you don't get a second or third chance. But as how it can help you in 2020, I think we have discussed this is that you have been, you get brought to your knees to figure out why the hell you were chasing it in the first place. And I think that you have rooted yourself in your why and it drives you hard. And then remembering who you are through the flames. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: I think that you continually find yourself rising above the ashes every single time. And for those of you listening who don't know my sister's story, I mean, she's just been through the ringer since she was... How old were you? Were you 20?
1: 20. When you
0: first made it to the trials? 21. She was 21, and like it's still on YouTube if you guys want to watch it, but I mean, it was a heartbreaker because she was this little girl that no one knew about, and then she all of a sudden got really good really, really fast, and I think that was part of the identi- the first identity crisis that you went through is that... Mm-hmm you went from not on the map to on the map very quickly into the being the best. And when she got tripped in the Olympic trials and then ended up getting up again, grinding, being resilient, rising from the ashes, she put herself from last place to second place as a 21 year old that no one knew about. Um, but unfortunately, because she didn't have the A standard, she didn't get to go to the Olympics, even though she was in the top three. So that was the first round that I saw, like, a wave of, like, the first slow bounce of identity crisis because that was just a lot to handle at 21 without you even, like, being prepared for how much fame and attention you were going to get. And then the second time, she she again made it to the trials, but wasn't the rules reversed? Like
1: Yeah, they changed the rules the year after I didn't make it because... Uh, at, at least that's what I think it is. At the time in 2012, there was no chaser meet to get the time. And then the year after, they changed the rules. They are like, we need to have a chaser meet to, to get that ace time because uh, the tactics that play out in a championship race. What happened that day was um, Deb Mayer was... She, she wanted to make the team, too, the Olympic team, and she didn't have the A standard either, so she took the pace out. We were running on pace to hit the A standard. Shalane comes up the side, jumps to the front, slows down the pace significantly so that her teammate, Lisa Ohl, could make the Olympic team. Deb Mayer didn't like that cut out in front of me. That's where I tripped, and then I get trampled by the pack. And at the time, I was ignorant to all of these um, games, tactics, and I had no idea. It was my first Olympic trials. It was my fourth 10K ever run. Um, Yeah, and the unfortunate thing was that I went to a sprint school, so we weren't going to Stanford to get A standards. We were going to LSU, and I ran an 800 the same weekend (laughs) that... These other girls were at Stanford running the 10K standard. So, yeah, I think that's kind of what I wanted to touch on, too, is that has followed me for years now. It's like that's a that's an identity that I didn't necessarily choose to have, and yet it's following me into my life as a 28, 29-year-old um going into this next Olympics, it's still that thing on my shoulder, that chip on my shoulder, I guess. Is, is that the right the expression? Devil. Yeah, the devil. Do- okay. <laughs> I don't know. I, sometimes I make up my own expression.
0: <laughs> the devil on your um,
1: No, I wouldn't say it's the devil. I just... The burden? It's a chip on my shoulder. It's like, that was my spot. Yeah. And I deserved to go that year. I was the better runner. Like, I, I proved it in that race, and um, sometimes it, I have to, you know, put that to rest. Like, I, we have to, like you said, go back to the why. Why am I doing this? And it's really not in spite of that day. I don't want that to be my why. Um, I want it to be because of this beautiful journey that this is taking me on it's taken me across the world like it's taken me all over the country um, and a spiritual journey more than anything um, and that's that's my why. So yeah I think that that I've seen that pop up so many times um, recently like you have to have your why before your what? And, um, that's, what's going to help you to see a completion of what you're, you're working for.
0: I think the problem with our society and social media is that because what you're saying is so simple and true, that's just the truth is that you have to start with your why before the what. But I think with what I was just saying with society and social media, like people grab onto that quote and then they almost make it a cliche and then it becomes kind of like an over the head yeah thing like even in like my personal training and in group fitness you'll always hear the coach say what's your why and it's just like oh it's almost like an automatic question to ask and people are like I'm doing it for my kids but like are they really like you don't I feel like my question to you is is how do you know if that's truly your why and what would be a good strategy for someone who kind of is annoyed by that term
1: I like that question because I think that how you know is by losing it all first like what happened to me and what's gonna happen to everyone at some point in their life you're gonna work you're gonna put all your eggs in one basket for something and then you're gonna lose it and it's gonna make you reflect back and be like why what like what happened there and that that's where my why has come into play recently is because I do have another chance and I don't want to see it play out the same way like I lost control big time in my career as a 27 um so much to the point where I was acting out I was like sending out cries for help, like, it was really pathetic and sad, um, but, you know, now that I'm back at the professional level with this humongous opportunity, um, basically, basically my last chance, um, because, you know, I gotta make money, and if shoe companies aren't gonna Help, then I gotta go back to working a job. I'm not gonna have time to train for the Olympics anymore. It's like I'm getting older here. Um, but that's all the more reason to put more emphasis into my why and to bring this awareness and consciousness, as I mentioned earlier, back into what I'm doing because it's just too easy to try to get so caught up in your goal that you're not being present and you're not using, utilizing awareness and consciousness in your day-to-day. That's where you lose control.
0: So let's just say, like, worst-case scenario. And, like, this is really hard for me to say because you're my favorite person in the whole world, but, like, that you didn't get it this this humongous opportunity like panned out just like the last two did? Like, are you fearful that an, another identity crisis will come? Are you, and, and or are you even aware that that's a possibility? Um,
1: <clears throat> I don't let myself think like that because I don't have time to think like that. I believe in the power of the mind. That's how I, healed this torturous knee BS that I've been through um I don't know how many people can relate to losing their ability to walk after being you know I mean at 28 after being a national champion and this elite runner uh, it was devastating and scary but The power of my mind is what brought me back to where I am today because without that it would have been impossible to be here today. Um, Getting fit again, getting ready to do some big things and um, to think like that, to think what if I don't is just going to make it all that much harder. It's already not easy at all and um you have to live like you already have what it is that you want. And if you don't, you're going to sell yourself short. You're not going to get it. It's a mindset.
0: I really like that. And that's Tasha actually told me that quote on Christmas and I have held, held on to that cuz I think that's such a cool outlook on life but I want to revisit that question I asked you at the very beginning after you told your story is like that's why you're one of my most inspirational people in my life is because you do have this incredible mindset where like you don't allow failure to creep in like you're a go-getter you rise from the ashes like we just talked about but what about like the people who put their eggs in one basket because they do have a strong why and they gave it everything they have. And then that second chance doesn't come back. Like what advice do you have for that population of people? And that even if they willed their mind to not even allow failure. And it just wasn't in their cards. Like what do you say to those people? You have to have
1: that let go experience. And it's, I, I said this earlier. It's the most freeing experience you're ever going to have. But you've got to let go. And I had that. And if I didn't have that, I would still be in this, like, reverse mode or, like, this friction and tension in my life. Um, But being able to let go opens up so many doors and opportunities in front of you, and it will surprise you. Um, and I will have to go through that again, because this is not a forever thing (laughs) at all. And now I'm prepared for that. And, um, I think that I got another chance. I've actually lost my, I, this is probably my third chance now. (laughs) Um, but the reason why... I got another chance is because I was able to let go and it came, it called me back and I don't know, I have unfinished business and I'm lucky enough to have been given another chance, but I was ready to, you know, if if that, what didn't play out that way, um, I was well on my way to being happy and finding another passion, I think. there's there's always another passion out there for you. You just have to be able to walk through the dark tunnel and go, go explore and find it. It's going to be uncomfortable. But I would you say that um, that's kind of what you're, you're in your exploration phase for your next passion right now?
0: Yeah. And I would, I like what you said is that there's always another passion, but something that, cause I used to be a runner too. And then injury just kind of took it away from me and opportunity never came back. And so like at first that was super hard for me, but what, what Natasha just said regarding there's always another passion. And what I learned was, is I still love running. Like that's never going to go away. Cause that was also a huge part of my identity for a long time. But like you can still be a runner in a different world. And by that, I mean now I'm a coach, soon to be a mom. And I can take everything that made me a good runner to be a good mom and a good coach. So I'm still a runner at heart. I might not be running, but all of the, like, the ferociousness, the discipline, the technique, and the studious part of me made me a good runner. So I just take those qualities and plug them into the new passion. Mm-hmm. And...
1: It's so funny because running can relate to so many aspects of life, even if you're not a runner. Mm-hmm. Like my boyfriend, um, we got back together after we broke up. <laughs> <laughs> I got everything back. We're all good now. <laughs> um, but he was not originally a runner, but he became, he's recently become a runner because of me trying to understand my job. and. He said that the other day. He's like, you really can't apply this to everything in life. Like, it's the run. Like, it's a, it's a grueling, like, long, endurance, hard process. And when people ask me why I like running, I'm like, it sucks. I know. <laughs> it does. But there's just something about the willpower behind it all and you can't apply that to anything else in life
0: yeah I I agree with that and it goes back to what you were talking about too is the journey there's something innate in all of us that like to travel through trial because anything worth having isn't worth having unless you've actually worked for it totally and so like you just said running is a very good metaphor for whether you're a CEO, a mom, a dad. And I I just think that like also to just going back to the journeys and listening to Tasha's, like I think a lot of people can look at social media and at Natasha right now and think like, oh, how easy and how cool it is that she gets to go to the Olympics. Like I'll never do something cool like that. But always keeping in mind that running is a fucking journey <laughs> and it's it's not easy
1: yeah and keeping in mind that social media is a huge lie and it's a part of my job and I have to be like quote-unquote good at it like post what people want to see and like stay on brand and stuff like that but social media is a lie and you know behind all of these and I'm not even big on social media. I don't have like, a huge following or anything. But you see these accounts, and it makes people depressed <laughs> because it's like, why? Like, look at these people living their perfect lives, and behind all that is the girl. And I mean,. I'm proud of being so authentic and genuine when I was going through that hard time because everyone knew it on social media. <laughs> I was posting some weird shit. Oh, I mean, sorry. You can um, say it. But most people don't do that. And on these really famous hot accounts, like you're gonna, it's gonna seem like they have it all together, but really, it's that girl. That it's that. It's me going through that identity crisis and losing control. And social media is a huge contributor to identity crisis because it's a whole alternate reality where you exist in and you get caught up in that and you forget who you are and you you spend so much energy on this Instagram self that you're not focusing on your why, why you're doing this. So that's a huge, like, key point that I did want to bring up, too, in this. Because there's not enough talk about that, I don't think, right now. Like, how essential social media is, it's a requirement now. But how toxic and poisonous it is. And if we don't have this awareness about identity crisis via these platforms and <laughs> existing on there, then we're going to collectively be depressed.
0: Yeah. I think exactly what you said, just to tie in what you said earlier, is that, like, you're... What did you say? I had a pregnant brain. <laughs> <Okay>. My sister's <laughs> braggers. Oh, did,
1: did we tell them that?
0: Yeah, they know. Okay. Um... You said something about um, your identity being tied to something with social media. No.
1: Um. Being. uh, What did I say? Yes, you remember.
0: (laughs) Um. Well, anyway, what what I was gonna say was i I forget what you had to. What exactly what you said? I used to have a good memory, but I forget (laughs) exactly what you said. But my the tie-in was is that social media is a tool, not where you, yeah, like not where you're investing your why. Yeah. Like because if you're, oh, I know, I remember. Okay. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said for a while like you were doing it in spite. Yeah. And so that was your why for a long time, and I feel like sometimes social media can be that for it's like Mm -hmm. in spite of the girl that keeps posting this or like looks like this in her bikini photos like people spitefully repost or post things about themselves to compete Mm -hmm. and like and then it becomes about competing and trying to fit into the world rather than using social media as a tool to open up people's eyes to opportunities and sharing experiences where they can find inspirations to rise from their own ashes rather than stay under them.
1: Yeah, well, I would say what was happening for me there was I wasn't running anymore. I was injured. I didn't run for a whole year. And so I was losing followers by the hundreds. And that, you know, I I was already losing running at the time and that was already weighing on me and depressing me. But then to just see people unfollow me by the hundreds every day. Oh cool. Like <laughs> no one loves me anymore. But it I mean I knew how superficial it was, but at the same time it did um it, it kind of just put me in the FU mode, like I don't care. This is how I feel right now, this is real because I'm sick of opening this platform. And seeing so much fakeness everywhere. I, I'm gonna be real. And there I didn't care about the consequences of that. And now I'm older and more mature. So probably not gonna happen again. But I don't regret being the one of the few real people who who was actually genuine about what I was going through as a professional runner. It's not all smiles and skipping around the track, like it's heartbreak, it's failure and it's depression, and I went through that, and I'm, I came out of it, and, um, yeah, there's still some posts that I've posted on there that I can't erase, even though they're, like, inappropriate or, like, whatever, like, a little bit dark or sad, that's um, the part of who I am, and I don't want to have this account where it's just me, like, fake smiling or, like, having the best workouts of my life, like, no, this is really hard, and it's brutal, and it's heartbreaking, and that's always going to be there, like, at the end of the road, it's it's either you finish out on top, or you're heartbroken, Mm -hmm. and now that I know that, um, I'm more equipped to handling it in a mature way, and thank god cuz i'm 28 years old
0: now so <laughs> but i think what you said is really important and i think that we should encourage people to feel all the things they need to feel and like you like ang- like you just said you said anger you said depression you said heartbreak those are okay and normal feelings to have how you choose to deal with them long term Is a very significant choice that you should not take lightly because having those feelings long term will destroy you too. But they're important for a for a time, and then like it's like
1: that movie. What's that movie with sadness? Inside Out. Watch Inside Out, you guys. Um, It's a really great cartoon, (laughs) Um, but it teaches you the importance of sadness because there's this little cute character, sadness on. So watch that and you'll know what we're talking
0: about. Yeah. uh, Yeah, exactly. Like identifying and knowing how to utilize and handle each emotion because each emotion is so critical to getting you to the next step. Mm -hmm. And like you chose to go to Thailand. That was your like therapy, if you will. And it changed you. And for other people, it could be literally going to therapy or could be reaching out or finding a different passion. But there's always that next step that you need to take after experiencing those emotions instead of just letting one emotion rule your whole life.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We live in a society where it's not okay to be sad. You're weak if you're sad. You're bringing everyone down if you're sad. You're not supposed to feel sad. And that's so wrong. Sadness is ingrained in us. That feeling is there for a reason, and you will be better for it. But, like you said, you cannot, you know, you can't just sit and sulk around forever. Like, you gotta be willing to change your life, and that means doing things differently. That means going to Thailand or, you know, switching careers or. You know, doing whatever it takes, because if I, when I lost sponsorship, if I had just continued to live with my sister and her husband in their house, <laughs> I would have been depressed forever. Not because, sorry, <laughs> not because I didn't love living, I loved living with them, it was actually so great, but you, I mean, What's that at would your permanent not place? moving on. You yeah. gotta move on. Um, yeah. That's what I meant by that. Not that I don't love any of (laughs) you guys, because I really did. And I still spend the night over here weekly, once a week. I mean, Um, (laughs) I'm going to stop talking now.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that it's, it's really awesome that Tasha was able to share this. And I really do encourage you guys to watch her with her first couple of times in 2012, 2016, on YouTube just to kind of get a better indication of like she was saying, like the heartbreak that she met, she met it. She made a great leap and then she met heartbreak, but she continued to rise from the ashes. And it's going to be really cool to watch what she does in 2020 because now she has all the resilience tools built up in her head and a better mental game for all of this. So make sure you watch her um, on her journey and we'll keep you guys updated as well. And next week, we'll be talking about a different type of identity crisis um, from my perspective, which is going to be preluding into how I went from an individual who is super career driven, wanting to run her own business slash CEO mindset to suddenly becoming pregnant and having to make some sacrifices to become a good mom. And so... Hopefully we'll see you guys there. Um, Tasha, is there anything else that you want to add or tell the audience? Um, One last
1: thing. Um, yeah, I, I just want to say that it's still going to be a grind. I'm still going to have moments of doubt. And, um, yeah, it's not like it's just easy here on out. Like, I do – I would like – If you guys want to follow my journey, just know that I'm still, you know, battling these things and, um, I, I definitely am confident that I can do it, but it's, it's just not going to be easy. So I guess the main thing that I'm trying to say here is that you can't ever expect things to just be easy from here on out. Like, oh, you figured it out, you got through it, now it's going to be smooth sailing, but no, just expect those obstacles to keep coming and keep coming you just got to keep being able to adapt and change your mindset and change your um, your approach and yeah
0: that's, that's it will you wrap it up by saying the quote that you that I love so much that you told me
1: yeah so live life like you already have what it is that you want
0: Right. Thanks, Tosh.
1: Thank you. Bye. <laughs>